Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Well, all right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and it's me and him. Oh, yeah! Yeah, Ian Wadley. Well, uh, yeah, well, let's get straight in the news, because we got no fucking iTunes reviews. And, uh, all righty, well, the first story that just broke hours before we did this is uh, sad news to me and uh, to some people on our page. Chuck Mosley. The original singer of Faith, well, I should say former uh, singer of Faith No More, is dead at 57. That's too and, young. And this guy had just kind of uh, started getting back on track. He started doing music again. And uh, a couple years ago, he even did a couple shows with Faith No More. And uh, and uh, and I was impressed. I was really impressed because I always heard what a, like a flake this guy was. So they replaced uh, this flake with even a bigger flake. <laughs> but uh you know and he he had been he had fighted uh substance abuse in the past but uh really seemed to have his life back on track and i guess he had a long period of uh sobriety but uh that period ended and unfortunately so did his life today oh whoa, whoa, whoa. he died of a drug overdose uh they're not being specific but i would imagine yes oh so he fell off the wagon Yes, he fell off the wagon and uh, it killed him. Well, my heart goes out to his family, his friends, and all you guys that think you're elitist because you like Faith No More. There you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, next story. Metallica's Lars Ulrich says he's not opposed to one day turn as a hologram. Hell yeah, man. I'd go see that. I'm all for the hologram, dude. I'm all hologram. I'm pro hologram. You're pro hologram, huh? Big time. I haven't seen I, a hologram. Well, let, let me let me let me reserve my judgment till I see a hologram show. I haven't really seen one. I see it on YouTube, but you know, everybody like you can't really judge shit on YouTube unless it's Paul Stanley. True. So. I look at it this way, dude. You know, I I'm very anti-kiss. Like fuck Paul Stanley. He sucks. It's a shame to go see these scabs, but at the same time, there's people that want to see it, so. I'm not one of these people that are be like, you know, oh, fuck them, don't go see him, or ah, they should stop. Hey, man, as long as there's people that throw money to see that garbage, go see it. So let me throw money at the hologram garbage and leave me alone. Thank you. And, you know, and, and bottom line, man, and this goes out to everybody out there. Don't think for one fucking second by you bitching about the hologram, it's going to change anybody's mind. Get off your fucking high horse, you fuck. I don't think I'm, I'm, I have a very high horse, but I never look down on you people because I, I'm looking forward at the holograms. Thank you. Well, that's another thing I'll be interested, interested to see too, is what kind of business these things will do. Well, maybe they won't do as good as expected, but I hope, I hope I'm there to watch it before uh, they say, okay, let's not do it. It's not worth the money, you know, and, and maybe it will suck and maybe it won't. But something that a lot of people are not aware of about this Dio hologram, it's only a couple songs. He's, it's not like you go see the show and Dio performs the whole time. It's just they bring out a hologram for two or three songs and whatever. 
I saw I saw the Dio Disciples. I have seen them in the past, and that's what this is: the Dio Disciples with the hologram. It's great. It's great. It's really cool to see it, but nowhere near as good as Last in Line. If I had a chance to go see the hologram or Last in Line, if they both came down here on the same day, I'd pick Last in Line. So it's not like I'm so pro hologram, uh, hologram, but you know, if I had a choice, I would choose Last in Line over the hologram. But at the same time, I would like to see it. I'm, I'm just a, a you know a Dio fan. I can't remember who it was that said on uh, the Facebook page. Well, I've seen Dio already, so no need to see this. It's like, well, uh, uh, how many times you seen Dio, dude? Because I can count. You know, I, I've seen him since 1980, and I want to see it. I don't think that's a good excuse. I don't want to see Dio a hologram because it's too weird, and I don't dig it. It's a better excuse than I've already seen Dio, so why would I have to see this? It's like, dude, I saw Dio too because I'm a fucking fan. Thank you. And and you know what? What I did see on YouTube, it looked awesome. But you know, I mean, the, the true test is going to see it live. But I dug it. I dug it. They got some good footage of Dio doing We Rock. Uh, yeah. I really, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was very cool looking, and I would love to see it live. So fuck you, you that that that, that are trying to stop me. You know, it, it just. I don't know. It kind of scares me. Where does it end? Because I'm, I'm afraid that Sammy Hagar is going to go on tour with holograms of fucking Mike Anthony and the Van Halen brothers. Well, dude, I mean, I mean, even without it, you're not going to go see it. So what's the, what's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. With or without, you ain't going to go see it. By the way, he's playing here on Sunday. And I will be watching Paint Dry, I promise. <laughs> oh, oh. Somebody should go with a gun. I know a few people that are going, hey, are you going to Sammy Hager? I go, hey, man, you know who you're talking to, motherfucker? <laughs> well, let's let's see. They've attacked a country concert, a church. <laughs> hey, this is Pompano Beach, Florida. Rednecks yeah. are wild over there. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if I got any friends in ISIS. I need to yeah, call them up. Man. Make them a real red rocker where the red is the blood. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Just when you thought this asshole couldn't get any fucking worse. Did you did you see the his his latest yeah. uh, rant? Jason Bonham about Jason yes. Bonham. Yes. Oh my what an insult to Jason Bonham. I think. Well, actually I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. I'm like, I don't even figure I, I, why even bother? Well, basically what he says uh, uh again, he goes on the same tyrant about uh you know, Van Halen's not con- not uh, contacting Mikey. And th- and then, of course, you know, he can't even finish that sentence without, and my 70th birthday, my 70th birthday. And then he says, that's all right, though. You know who doesn't want Van Halen, a Van Halen reunion? Jason Bonham. Because Jason Bonham makes way more money th- with me than he does with his side project. My er- God, what a yeah. cocky asshole. Yeah, or, which or is me... which is really not that much money, I'm sure. Yeah, hold. On. I want to find the. Uh, I want to read the exact. Yeah, Jason makes more money with me playing 20 shows a year as he does with his own band in 100 shows in a year, and he's happy about it. So I don't think he wants to see a Van Halen reunion. You know who else doesn't want to see it? Van Halen fans. Yeah, you it's fucking look, look, asshole. It, it, look. Bottom line. This is why there's not going to be a... This is why I won $100 (laughs) on that bet because I was so sure that this reunion wasn't going to happen. This is the bottom line. Van Hagar, and all you Van Hagar fans will deny it, but it is the truth. It's the goddamn truth. Van Hagar is dated. 
Nobody cares except for you who does care out there, which you are the minority. Nobody gives a flying fuck. Just like nobody gives a flying fuck about Motley Crue and John Karabi, which I wish that would get back together, but it's the same deal. You know, so, you know, you know, be, you know, you're going to have to be like me and be a sourpuss that you will never see Van Hagar again. What, just like I will never see Karabi Crew again. So it, there's no demand for it. It was of the time. Oh, you know what? There's something I, I wanted to bring up. Um, I saw the other day. Uh, uh, I, actually, I fell asleep uh, with my YouTube on. Uh, in my bedroom, I put YouTube on my TV, and I was watching some, um, it was, um, David Lee Roth on, um, oh, what's that comedian's name? Joe Rogan. Yes. And it was a really good interview, David Lee Roth talking about living in Japan and all that shit. I nodded off during it, and I woke up, and, and it was, um, it was, uh, Van Hagar MTV documentary. And oh my God, was MTV such a fucking Van Hagar lathering motherfucker. Number one, in the documentary, they called David Lee Roth a clown. They, they, they went on to say that this is the best Van Halen, uh, the best lineup. This is during the fuck era. And dude, yeah. the whole interview was just, sla- I mean, the whole thing had all these little uh, digs at David Lee Roth and how much better they are with Sammy Hagar. And there was little gripes with, you know, little hints with the band members talking about how much better it is with Sammy and it's no longer a Vegas act and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, dude, it dawned on me. I was like, dude, no wonder Van Hagar was so popular back then. Because MTV, like, dude, a lot of people were fucking mindless zombies with MTV. You know, a lot of this, you know, come on, looking back at a lot of shit that you look at sucks now. MTV fucking pimped that shit. Like there was no tomorrow. And I ended up rewinding and watching the whole thing just to get more upset. And yeah, dude, it was a total, total pro Van Hagar. Uh, David Lee Roth, they actually called him a clown. You know, oh, it started with with uh, with rock star clown David Lee Roth. That's how they described him. And he right. was like a footnote in this goddamn thing. And then they went on talking about how much better they are with Kurt Loder, that idiot narrating it. Fuck them. Fuck MTV. Well, I'm glad and, it's dead. I'm glad it's gone. Fuck them. And, but you know what's so funny about that is the minute there was the, you know, talk of Sammy out and Dave's in, MTV kept running that. Remember the the commercial with the Welcome Back Cotter theme? Yeah, and they yeah. Kept showing, yeah, because, oh, and, and, yeah, because and, by and then, then I'm was, sure they got yeah. new employees. And by then it, it was all, then they were all lathering the day. Oh, this is true. Van Halen. You know, they, they did a 180. They yeah, say they, they did a Rolling Stone magazine. That's what yeah. they did. Yeah. Who's ever selling the most at the time, you know, and at the time, yeah, fuck sold like crazy and little ain't enough sold very little. So of course they jumped on that one, uh, you know, but then when it came down to it, then, then they, they do a complete 180. And now if you were to talk to anybody, it'd be the same thing like Rolling Stone. Oh, they're gonna totally, you know, suck the ass of, of, you know, what's proven the test of time, you know. Yep. Yeah, and what's proven the test of time? Classic Van Halen. Van Hagar, like it or not, you could be the biggest fan of Van Hagar all you want. Hey, I love fucking uh, Metal Health, but uh, a lot of people find that to be dated. But I still love it. And you love your Van Hagar, that's fine. But it's dated as fuck, and nobody cares. Trust me. Uh, I did a little research, Ian. I yes, did sir. a little research. 
Uh, Van Hagar reunion, $42 million. Yes, you're talking about the, the 2004 tour. Yeah, $42 million. Yes. David Lee Roth comes back, $95 million. Ooh. Ooh, over double. Hello? Fuck just you. Like the, just like the record sales. <laughs> exactly. So fuck you. Fuck you all fucking Sammy Hagar apologists. You know, you are. I think of you when I hear Kurt Loder, you know? I, I just think of all you fuckers and, you know, all your fucking Sammy Pro bullshit. The guy sucks. He's, it's proven now. And, man, let me tell you something. Nothing makes me smile more that I live in a day and age that looks at that MTV documentary saying, you're wrong, bitch. The real clown here is the guy that looks like Ronald McDonald, motherfucker. Fuck you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I love that you said they pulled a Rolling Stone because, you know, every time we get ready to review an album, I always try to find up, you know, different shit about the album, try to find old uh, reviews, look at shit on Wikipedia. And on Wikipedia, they always have uh, the ratings that the record was given. And they usually have two for Rolling Stone. They have the original one, and then they'll always have, like, the revised Rolling Stone review. And it's almost always, oh, originally we hated it. Now we love it. You know, and it's like, like you don't love something until it stands the test of time, you know? And, and and what, you know, they always go back and forth. I mean, what a bunch of bullshit artists. Fuck Rolling Stone. Exactly. You fucks. Fuck you all. You yeah. know? But then, fuck- you know, I'm just telling you, dude. I mean, we all are subjected to it. I used to love, I used to hate ABBA and, and BGs back in the day. But I admit it, man. I was a fucking load idiot that didn't know better. These guys can't do it. No, instead they turn around going, pretending like they always like them. Fuck you. I never, ever, yeah. ever once purchased a Van Hagar album. Ever. I never, I never fucking wasted a penny except for Monsters of Rock because I wanted to see Metallica. And hey, Scorpions and Doc were on the bill. That's not a bad fucking couple bands to see. Well, I was all the way up front for that shit. Before Van Hagar came up, I went to the nosebleeds because I had a ride to the show. You know, who wanted to see the Van... I went to the nosebleeds and and was horrified by what I saw. But I always, always from day one was an anti... Well, not day one. I got to be honest with you. I did give it a chance. I said, okay, I don't really like Sammy Hagar, though I do like Montrose. Maybe he can bring some of that Montrose vibe into Van Halen. And, you know, it, it might work. Hey, you never know. It might work. Then the radio played, Why Can't This Be Love? And that's when I went, oh, man. And you know what? It took me months, literally months, to hear that fucking album because I didn't go out and buy it. It wasn't until my friend took me to go see 5150. His wife couldn't go. His girlfriend couldn't go at the time. So he took me. And on the way there, he had it on cassette. I said, dude, play it. I, I haven't heard it. So I'm like, might as well be familiar with some of the shit before we see it. And on the ride there, I'm like, I swear, man. And he's still my friend. You can ask him. I said, oh, okay, turn it off, bro. That's that's I've had, I don't, I don't even need to hear the rest. This is just fucking horrible. When I first heard that one song, uh, the hello, baby, right yeah. there, I knew, uh-oh, there's a problem here. And then the song kicks in, and then they start going, ooh, 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 during it. I'm like, oh, 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 fuck you. <laughs> Oh, I took I took some shit. Uh, was it Saturday when I, I posted the ad for my radio show, and uh, I, I I put the picture the death to Hagar picture, 
and and, uh, and the great Matt Porter from the, from the Kiss Room and Podcast is like, oh, I love your show, man. Oh, always post on and you know Kiss Room. You're more than welcome to to pimp the show. Oh my God, there were some people. What? When kind of man wishes death? That's I, I love this shit. When when people like, how could you like like I I have the fucking power to do this. You know, it's like people calm the fuck. If I had the power to do it, he'd be dead, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's like come on, fucking idiots. And you know, oh. it just gets me. It's like, look, look, I I don't wish death on people. I saw that shirt. You know, better it should have been Lars when it's Lars and Cliff on the shirt. I didn't go after that person and say, "Hey, dude, that's wrong." I just put it on my 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 wall separately. I'm not gonna attack anybody that believes that shit. That's you. I don't believe it, and I'm gonna speak my fucking mind. I don't wish death on Sammy Hagar, but I would rather Ian be happy than Sammy alive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I I see what you did. <laughs> All right. Well, here's somebody else I know you love to spew hate at, and uh, this is something that was discussed uh, in in more than one thread on our page this week. And that's the uh, Perfect Circle concert where over 60 concert goers were thrown out for taking photos. Yeah, but you're saying this after we talked about Hagar. How the fuck can I hate anybody after we talk about Hagar? Well, I, I know you hate Tool and you hate Maynard, so. Yeah, well. I don't and, even hate, I don't even, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't even know Tool, dude. They're faceless to me. It's like I don't hate the guy individually. I just don't like the music, you know. Well, they they, they want to remain faceless. That's why they don't want their picture taken. And that's cool, dude. I mean, look, look. I understand. This is what I understand from what I've heard about this. The people were warned. Do not yes. take pictures at the show, and uh, and people took pictures and they got escorted out. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I have a problem when they don't tell you and you go and all of a sudden you get kicked out. Going, wait a second, but I wasn't warned. So, right. hey, my hat's off to fucking uh, Perfect Circle, you know, for, for at least warning the people. And, yeah, I find it disgusting. And I take pictures at shows, but I find it disgusting that people would pull out a fucking camera and start taking pictures after they were fucking warned. Fuck you. You should have been kicked out. I'm all for that. But I am, I am not against people taking pictures at show. But then again, I'm not short. I'm 5'11", so I can tower over anybody and I can, like, go left and right and watch the show because basically when what people do at shows, I don't give a flying fuck because I'm looking at the show. I'm not looking at the people around me taking pictures. So it's like I, my focus is on stage and I'm not one to have my camera out the whole time taking pictures. I don't do that. But, yeah, I like to take me a couple shots of shows. I mean... Whatever, and I see people do it the whole fucking show. Hey, that's them. Just don't fucking stand right in front of me and put and and and, and strategically put your camera sideways in front of my eyes to take pictures, and we're good. That's all I feel. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I I just find it to be uh, an annoying uh, fucking trend, and I and I and I find it very sad. You, you know, in this day and age where you know you can't. See, you you can't drive without seeing every motherfucker on their phone or kind of people walking down the street. Everybody's on their like unplug for a fucking minute. You know, it's like, God, when I go to a concert, man, it's like a fucking experience, man. And, and there's so many things that that just gripe my ass at concerts these days. And I, I guess I'm just like an old 
bitchy man now, but you know, it's like I hate going to concerts under fucking chairs. You know, I hate that you can't smoke in a show. And I don't even smoke real fucking cigarettes. But I, I got yelled at at a concert the other week when I went and saw Magpie Salute. You know, they're threatening me because I was hitting my fucking toy cigarette. You know? And, you know, shit like that. Like, like it should be like everybody's on drugs and the floor's sticky from spilt beer and shit like that. And everybody should just be in awe of the fucking moment. And, and you know... Remember it your own way. You don't need to document fucking everything. But I mean, I mean, if you want to do that, fine. But I do find it disgusting nowadays when I go at shows and what used to be everybody holding up a fucking lighter is now a goddamn cell phone. I don't. I find it very fucking lame. Well, I, fucking. I do too. I'm not gonna lie. I do find it lame, but at the same time, I don't care. I really. It doesn't bother me. But I do. I do agree with you. It's lame. I'd rather but, watch the show, you know. But you, you know, it's, it's man. I remember hearing, you know, stories, you know, from from people more your age and and, and even older than you about, you know, what shows were like, you know, uh, you know, back in the day. A buddy of mine I used to work with, Dave Uberbacher, he was at the Stones Van Halen show. That's the back cover of Diver Down. That's was in at, Orlando. Yeah, it was in Orlando. I yeah, could have gone, but my fuck, dude. There's a story behind yeah. that. I was supposed to go to that show, and motherfuckers left without me. And they didn't do it on purpose. They were I really had burnout friends. They were like, oh, yeah, that's right. You wanted to go. I was like, you fuck. Right, but he was telling me he, you know, there used to be tons of shows like that, like, you know, World Series of Rocks, you know, and all oh, yeah, day. I've seen, you know, seen a bunch of them at the Miami Baseball yeah. Stadium. And, and, and he said there used to be this guy, you know, at all the shows, you know, like that in Orlando and, and, uh, and Miami – this dude, they called him the Cocaine Cowboy. And then dude always walked around, cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, two chicks and a turned up Frisbee that was always filled with Coke. And he said he would see this guy all the time. That's what you should see at concerts. People passing fucking joints, doing blow, getting fucked up. You know, you, you, know, you shouldn't be, you know, sitting down. I, I, you know, certainly, you know, if you're going to go see Celine Dion, yeah, sit the fuck down, you know. But at a rock and roll show, man, everybody should be, like, up there partying. It should be a party atmosphere, you know. It, it shouldn't be, like, you can't do this, you can't do that, uh, you know. Or you're just sitting there so disconnected from the whole reason you're there, you know, just looking through your fucking phone the whole time. It's like, get in the fucking moment, that, you know, the the awesomeness that is the rock concert experience because it's dying out, <laughs> you know? Well, well, Ian, I mean, uh, it's I don't that doesn't happen down here. I mean, knock on wood, check it out. I'm going to knock on my head right now. See that? My head sounds like wood. Um, we don't have that here down here. There's, I mean, if there are chairs at concerts, you can stand up. But my take on it is the complete opposite of perfect circle because just for the fear of fact that I want people to come to my show to enjoy themselves whether they want to hold up their phone the whole fucking time or they don't you know I want people I don't want to restrict any laws on people but at the same time if perfect circle feels that way and they have a fucking audience that would kill for them and they'll keep their fucking cell phone in the pocket because I understand they escorted like 60 people from the show yeah. I mean, that's a very little amount compared to the thousands they play to. 
So, for the most part, the audience for Perfect Circle were very respectful and 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 so on, you know? So, they, if they obey by the rules, then fine. But you see, you can't have it both ways. You can't pay, be like, oh, well, fuck your rules. But, yeah, when it comes to cell phones, yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's chess shit, you know? That's commie shit. You, know, it's gotta, you gotta, I look at it the whole way around, man. Go, go enjoy a fucking show. Now, I'll tell you this, and this was on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast page, and I wish I knew the guy's name because they definitely, that guy definitely shut me up um, when it came to this phone thing. Um, I said the whole thing, how, you know, I'm all for it. This one guy said to me, he goes, you know why I'm against it, man? Because I'm in a wheelchair. And I was like, oh, shit. You see, now that's different, you know? So... When it comes to shit like that, I feel like there should be concerts where there should be like, you know, uh, a special place for wheelchair people that they can view the show and also I, smaller people. And I think there should be a special place for people who want to fucking uh, uh, film it the whole time. I, I, yes. I, you know what? You know what? I never thought of that, Ian. That right there is a genius idea. And the tickets should be more expensive for those fuckers. Yes. And I think there should be like a neon sign with an arrow point down that says, Firehouse fan, fag, 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 you know, and just, you know, let them all sit in one area where they can't obstruct anybody else. But, you know, the funny thing, you know what? You just came up with the solution, my friend. I am totally uh, that that should be the the fucking new law. You know, if if you're going to hold up your cell phone, then stand in that area and don't fucking obscure for the people that, that that like you that do get bothered by it. You know what I mean? Well, the, the thing, the, the funny, my whole bitch has nothing to do with my obscured view. Because I've, ne- I've never had it to where I could... Trust me, if, if it was if it was obstructing my view, I would have words with the person. I know like, what you're like, about like, to say. What you want is to be surrounded by a good vibe from people just like you that are just going to enjoy a show. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But I also think, like, like if I was performing up there, I would not want to be performing to a bunch of goddamn phones. You know, I would want to be trying to reach people with the music, interact with the people, you know, not like, you know, hey, send this out on fucking Instagram or whatever, Snapchat or whatever little bitch tweet things that fucking bitch people do. You know, and you don't have to put everything up on fucking Facebook that fucking second. Enjoy the moment, man. There's, I've had so many awesome experiences at concerts where it's like, that, that were life-changing. Because I was paying attention to the fucking show. Because I was listening to the music. I was absorbing the moment. Or maybe there was somebody really cool with me. Like somebody I never met. But we, we bonded like You know, like when I went to Magpie. I met this dude who was traveling around following them uh, from Australia. He was traveling the U.S. to Chicago, New Orleans. All these places to see. Man, and, and we were buying each other drinks all night. And just smile, you know, you know. Talking about well, you, hey, what, what's when you get when you get really polluted at shows, Ian. Do you remember it, like the whole show? Uh, there's a fine line. There's a fine line. I like I like to get loose. There's been somewhere like, ooh, I wish I wouldn't have got that that bad. Right. There's some there's somewhere I wasn't drunk that I wish I would have been. Well, and, I hate I hate I hate to point out the hypocrisy here, Ian. But if you get so polluted at a show, you're no different than some guy with a cell phone that's not enjoying it. Because, I mean, to enjoy a show, you need to remember it, man. Well, 
Yeah, but, but you can remember it in your own way and be in the moment, though. To me, you're not being in the moment if you're doing that. You know, you're not you're not experiencing the true magic of, of, of the live performance. You know, you're you're you know, to me, it's like you you're watching a fucking Viewmaster the whole fucking time. And that's I, I, lame. I, look, I do understand your point. I, I, I am agreeing with you. I think it's lame. People do it. The only difference between me and you is I just don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if people do it. They want to do it. Go right ahead. Uh, it's not going to ruin my fucking concert experience because I'm going to I'm going to be focused on the artist, not the the cell phone dude. Yeah, um, no, but it, you know it, whatever, dude. I mean, I, I respect your opinion. Anybody out there that shares Ian's opinion, I respect it, dude. And I agree with you. You know, it's just I don't take it to that next level where it bothers me. Right. You know. Yeah. That's all. You'll probably live longer. All right. Well. uh... No, I'm no better than you thinking that. I'm just saying, it's just, you know, we, we're both right in our own little way. You know, it's like, that's another thing that we all need to understand is that even when we have differences of opinion, it's people's emotions involved here. You're very emotional when it comes to shit like that. And it it's so fucked up, you know, to be so emotional about something and then some dickhead like me to be like, you're wrong. Now you shouldn't feel that way because I don't. You know what I'm saying? I am really a cool dude. You are. Thank you. <laughs> You're so I do. Cool. I do hold up. Look, I'm not going to lie. I have a camera. And sometimes I film a song or two. I'm not going to lie. But I don't do a whole show. Come on. I, I You know, because I do want like to enjoy it. And I've said this in a past episode. It'll be like a broken record. When I film a show, I'm a professional because I can, I can multitask. I can film a show and look and not even look at my camera while filming it because I'm at a good distance where I got it. And I'll now and then take a glance over to make sure, hey, I, you know, is it, you know, is the camera not like shooting the floor? But, you know, and one thing I, I got to say to your credit, uh, when you film stuff and when you take pictures, you're very good at it. Yeah, I'm awesome. You, 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 you know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I mean, I've seen, you know, the Xanadu, you know, the Rush from the Rush concert where he went and saw the pictures you put up on uh, Vieira Vault yeah. uh, that you've taken. You take some really good ones, but how many have you, most people's look and sound like absolute horseshit. Do you see me put up on, on YouTube or Facebook like, why would you even post this? It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you it, see, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you wasted your whole thing. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. And, and you missed the whole fucking show for this? You know, it's like watching those movies, you know, by the gas station, somebody filming with a camcorder. Looks like shit. Sounds like shit. You wasted your fucking time. Here's my, here's my new thing, and this is what everybody should do. It's awesome. It's just you got to get away with it. I just bought a Zoom. It's just a godly... Uh, you like it, huh? Oh, God, dude. I took it to the Black Sabbath tribute. I took it to Steel Panther. <laughs> Dude, you put the Zune, I put the Zune in my fucking, my vest pocket, and it just records the whole thing while I don't, I just watch the show. And then afterwards, I take it out, dude, my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send it to you. Dude, the Steel Panther sounds like a fucking professional recording, you know? And, unfortunately, the, the Black Sabbath show, I didn't perfect it yet, and for some reason, it like paused during some songs, but, um, but it, I played one of the songs last night on my radio show, and people were like, holy fuck, this sounds great. And, um, dude, you would love, I, I haven't talked about this. You, I know you and your musical taste, right. you would fucking worship Mad Cat. They were so good. 
because what they would do was they would do Black Sabbath. They did the whole volume four, but unlike every tribute band out there that plays it by the book exactly as it, no, they added little elements, little weird shit to the songs to, that, that was like, okay, that section's Mad Cat to a Black Sabbath song. You know, it's kind of like what Typo Negative did to the song Black Sabbath. Right. That, that shit has elements of the song Black Sabbath. But they did some of the song, and you know me, I'm not a typo negative fan, but right. I don't think any band in the history of music so far, what I've heard, has covered a Black Sabbath song as good as Typo Negative did on uh, Nativity in Black. That is the greatest Black Sabbath cover I've ever heard in my life because they added, you know, Typo Negative shit to it. You know, that, that, that low-key piano playing it made it even more eerie, and you hear these, like, bubbles like it's in a fucking... Like laboratory, like Monster Mash and shit, it's yeah. fucking great, and that's what Mad Cat did. And uh, oh my god, I should—I'll send you that too, man. It's so good. It—they were so good, and I, I hope they come back. And if they, you should look out if they play New Orleans, because dude, they're from Chicago. Two, two chicks, one's really cute on the keyboards, and um, the dude—I mean, the, the guitar player is great. The bass player is the main singer. The chick sang Under the Sun, which was wild. And uh, the drummer, that drummer chick, unbelievable. She was like Bill Ward, dude. She was badass. You That's gotta crazy. see this fucking band. They're fucking exceptionally awesome. I, two thumbs up. Greatest tribute band I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen, I've seen plenty. You know. Nice. Thank you. Oh, and I also want to give a shout out to Derek Day, uh, the guy that opened up for Steel Panther. Wacky ass performer, three piece, twenty three year old kid. Amazing, amazing performer. Uh, that's another, and Steel Panther was hilarious as always. Nice. Well, <laughs> did you see who's the new bass player in Striper? <laughs> man, what the fuck is up with that hair? Oh my god! Jesus Christ, man, what a do! Oh my god, I was dying laughing. You know, I listened uh, to uh, Decibel Geek uh, had an interview with him, and. It was actually, the, the interview was decent. I found it hard to listen to because of the guy's voice. Oh, he was like a redneck? Oh, uh, is he? Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, my God. They should have had banjos playing in the background the whole time. But, oh, my God. And then I saw that hair, and it's like, damn, like, like he's still got the same wig from the first album. I'm like, holy Can shit. Can you imagine if that was a wig? It'd be oh. like, dude, can, you, can imagine, you find a better wig than that? Could you imagine if it's not a wig? I mean, who would intentionally no, do that to their fucking ha- hair? Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm thinking, well, who intentionally would wear that as a wig? It has to be his real hair. Oh, my God. That's the most bizarre hair I've seen since since the Melvins. <laughs> and, boy, I gave that sweet Lynch another chance. Dude, nope. that second album is terrible, man. Really? I'm, I really love the first one. But, man, that second one is just terrible. You know, as, as, as much as I love Lynch, I, I, I didn't listen to either one of them. Yeah, the first one I liked. I enjoyed the first one. Because I am a Michael Sweet fan. I, I, I admit oh, it. I, 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 I t- he's a guy, like, to me, like, I'm not I, I'm not going to sit here and deny that he, he, he can't sing. Because he can sing. But there's just something about his voice that is like fucking nails on a chalkboard to me. Well, you know, because, well, you got to remember, I'm a guy from the 70s, so I'm a big fan of Dennis DeYoung. There's not much difference there. 
You know, he's kind of like the metal Dennis DeYoung. He, there's ver- something very Dennis DeYoung and, about Michael Sweet's and, voice. And I know, uh, and and I heard on on uh, on YouTube that somebody professionally recorded uh, uh, when he was doing that stunt with Boston. And I ain't gonna lie, that blew my mind. Oh yeah, that was great. I, yeah. I was like, I was like, holy shit. You know, but man, when I when I hear that fucking stripe, and I'm not even getting into like the corny ass lyrics or the fucking Jesus shit. I'm just saying, there's something about the guy's voice. Yeah, uh, I, I, know, I, can, I can understand. You know that that is like fucking Mark Slaughter times ten. All right, well here's a band that's getting ready to put out an album again. Uh, they just won't stop, and God bless them. I hope I get to see them again. But so far, I'm disappointed because this amazing tour is not coming near me. I'm talking about Saxon. They're getting ready to put out the Thunderbolt album in February, and they are going to tour with it's Judas Priest, Saxon, and uh, Black Devil Angels or Black Angel Writers, whatever the fuck their name is. Oh, that, the Thin Lizzy Band. Yeah, the Thin Lizzy Band. Black Black Star Writers. Black Star Writers. And oh my God, what a what a lineup! And when I saw Z- Saxon at this little club here, that I, I hope someday you get to come see a show here. Cause it's like a glorified fucking trailer, but what a great venue! But the but Saxon played like they were playing, you know, like like it was Monsters of Rock. I mean, y- you saw no like, oh God, look where we're at. They gave it their all. It was it was so amazing, and uh, I'm excited because I think Saxon's putting out quality records still. Yeah. I'm I'm really enjoying you know the resurgence of Saxon, and uh, and and I have very very high hopes and I should say expectations for this new Judas Priest. I'm going to be let down if it doesn't blow me away because I got a, I got a feeling there's going to be some really good shit on here. Uh, is that, is you that... got to remember, I flew to New York to see Saxon earlier this year. Alright, well I know uh, we're running out of time here, but one last story I want to show, and I know this is something uh, very close to your heart, Ralph, because this band is very important to you. Uh, I'm talking about violence, and there's going to be a, a performance uh, benefit concert for uh, Sean Killian. And uh, I'm really glad that like all of violence is participating in this. Even Rob Flynn, who's had a lot of problems with Sean in, in the past, is on board. He's he's uh, ha- had custom shirts made. He's selling, donating all the proceeds to to Sean. Uh, and I'm very happy about that. I, I know you don't like Rob Flynn, but uh, I'm, I'm glad he put all the other shit aside because this is life or death, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could go to this concert because uh, it's a very sad story. And if you see pictures, the guy looks even worse now. So uh, I, I, I hope he gets this liver transplant because it's life or death. Yeah, um, it's no secret that uh, I worship the guy. Um, Sean Killian's one of those guys he's kind of like a King Diamond whether either you get it or you don't and uh, I absolutely adore Violence to me they are the best San Francisco band uh, thrash I mean I'll put them above every band that came out of the Bay Area Uh, I'll put them above Exodus Testament Death Angel and I love all those bands but to me Violence was special man They they had this thing where I don't know. They, they, it was just so fucking original, but at the same time, very pummeling. And uh, I, um, I I donated a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, to, yeah. To, I, I remember that. Yeah, and, uh, and, and still, if you go to the Thrasher Die page, I pinned it. It's pinned there to the top to donate 
because the guys, you know, and I, I met him. He's a super nice guy. I met him in 91. And um, Violence has been always this very, very special band. A lot of people, oh, you sound like Exodus. And I don't think we do, but I don't think we sound like Violence either. But they are my main influence as far as Thrash or Die goes. Violence is my main influence. And I also got to put a little Dark Angel in there as well and some of the, you know, the, 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 the German Thrash. But as far as American thrash, man, no, to me, violence is the best. And yes, I applaud Rob Flynn. I will take a break from bashing his poser ass for a while because at least he fucking, you know, is doing this for Sean Killian, and I commend him on it. Uh, very special band to me. And, you know, I mean, underrated is too soft of the word to talk about violence. But at the same time, uh, I understand, just the same way I understand people can't get into King Diamond, you know, because his yeah. vocals are just so fucking original and and not for everybody. But Vi Sean Killian just had this originality about him and this really sick, sick mentality to writing lyrics was just so sick and so twisted and so appealing to me. And, uh, and the riffage that band had, the riffage... The music, it was just, oh my God, I can go on and on about violence. Violence to me is extremely special. The first two albums. The third one, unfortunately, they kind of like sold out. But they, they sold out by, by selling re less records, go figure. But uh, love them. And, and yeah, man, I love Sean Killian so much. And he's been such an inspiration to me that uh, I would like to him. You know, he's got a wife and kids and I, and I want him to live, man. And I hope everybody does donate. I mean, I did my part. I can't go to San Francisco, unfortunately, to see this. I would love to, but um, it's just there's just too much going on for me. But I, if there's any way I can donate to that too, I will, man. Love them, and and yeah, man. If anybody can find, you know, even if you don't like violence, do me a favor, just for me, just donate a dollar, just one fucking dollar. What's a dollar? You know, it'd be great, you know, because every fucking penny counts, you know. This uh, cirrhosis of the liver is no joke. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah he does look very frail, and it, it makes me sad, man. It makes me extremely sad because I want, you know, I know there's never going to be a violent reunion ever again, but I want him to live. You know, that's the bottom line, you know. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, get into the album, shall we? What album? The one we're going to review, Houses of the Holy. Let's do it. Well, all right, now it's time for the 1973? Yes. You know, every time I, I, I do these reviews, I throw the dice. I don't know what year it is. Uh, Led Zeppelin Classic, The Houses of the Holy, picked by me, yo. Yes. And oh, boy, I mean, you you just can't go wrong with Led Zeppelin when your name's Ralph Vieira. Because I even like In Through the Outdoor. <coughs> That's how stupid I am. Yes. But, you know, uh, they just had, like, the most solid discography, especially the earlier stuff. Well, shit, all the way up to uh, Presence, really. I mean, Into the Outdoor may be my least favorite, but I love it. I love the fucking album because it's the same reason you love Turbo. Same exact reason, you know? Yes. I mean, so I don't... You're, you're first. Yeah, I don't know if you have the same uh, knowledge of into the Outdoor as Turbo because I know In Through the Outdoor is not a good album compared to all the other Zeppelin albums. Yeah. I'm very well aware of it. I'm not sure if you think that way about Turbo. 
Oh no, no, definitely. It's, it's definitely a fucking weak album. It's okay. a weak album, but there, there, there's a special spot in my heart because of what it means to me. And when I first came into Judas Priest, I mean, I went further back and discovered all these albums I love a, a thousand times more. But it'll never take away what that was to me because it was my first priest. The same way that was the first, I believe, first up lamb that, that you bought, like when it came out, kind of thing. Houses of the Holy. I cannot tell you the first time I heard this album. I just can't. Um, I can tell you there is. Uh, I'll give it away now, and I'll say it again while we do it. I'm pretty sure the very first Led Zeppelin song I ever heard was Dire Maker or Jamaica or whatever the fuck it's called off this album. But, you know, then I think, well, man, I must have heard a whole lot of love before that, you know. But I remember Jamaica was a huge radio hit in the 70s. I used to hear it a lot because, you know, we had Y100 back then. And that was, you know, we didn't have classic rock back then. You know, we had, well, I think we did, but yeah, we did actually. She's only rock and roll. But Y100 was, you know, top 40. Elton John, The Carpenters, Tony and Tennille, Led Zeppelin. You know, it's just, and I remember here. We've hearing, only just begun. Yeah, Paul Williams wrote that, I think. Really? <coughs> well, Paul Williams wrote a lot of Carpenter songs. So, uh, yeah, Ian, I, I don't remember the first time I heard this album. Do you? Um,. I don't, I don't remember the first time I heard the whole album, but uh, I will never forget the first time I heard a certain song off of this, and uh, and I'll get into that when we get into uh, the songs, but it's one of those defining moments of my life, probably one of the uh, most defining moments of my life. You know, it, it, it's like 100% clarity, whether I'm, you know, fucked up or not, I can tell you, like, everything that happened when I heard a certain song off this, and that's what did, you know, make me go out and buy the album, because at this time, the first time I heard a certain song off this album was 1990, and, uh, yeah, I know that sounds like a fucking million years ago from when this came out in, uh, you know, 1973, but I was familiar with Zeppelin, and, and I had some Zeppelin albums, but I did not have this one, I like, like most people, I had four and two. You know, because those were like the biggest ones. Uh, but there, there, there's a certain song on here that it's one of those just like change your fucking life moments. And uh, we'll get into that later. I but, wonder if uh, it's a song I'm thinking of, because there's a song here that I wouldn't say goes far as change my life. But oh, my God, what a masterpiece. But there's many masterpieces on here. Yeah, 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 there is. And I will say, spoiler alert, this is my favorite uh zeppelin album of all time and i I know it's gonna sound kind of weird because uh i mean there's so many great zeppelin albums so many great zeppelin albums but to me there's something about the flow of this album that is very important because you know of the peaks and valleys and uh you know in this day and age where people download singles and do all this shit uh this this is one that was truly an album to me it was an experience when you listen to it and i i i love you know all these zeppelin albums i I love like every zeppelin album uh pretty much other than in through the outdoor and i still like that but fuck i like coda 
better than Into See, the that one, that one lost me. I mean, it does right. have a few good tunes, like Wearing a Terror. No, so. no I, I know. I, I, I get it. I get it. But that's one just like... Because it's not meant they, to be an album, man. Yeah, they, they, they kind of lost me on that. But to me, this is one, and, you know, people can argue and say, like, uh, you know, two's a better album, or four is a better album, or three, or fucking physical, or all this stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to, like, say you're wrong. I'm just going to say for me, this this is the album because when I when I first bought this and listened to it as a whole, there was just a flow to this that was amazing and life changing and, and kind of changed the way I looked at music and uh, you know especially the way I looked at at older music, what it was to me, uh, you know I mean I, I mean I discovered it in 1990 but I mean look how old it was by then. But it was just one of those things that I put on, and it was like a work of art. It was so amazing that uh, even though it, technically it might not be the best Led Zeppelin album, to me, it's my favorite Led Zeppelin album. Well, and, my, will, and it will always be. It's my favorite Led Zeppelin studio album that's not a double album. You know, this, I, I would have to say, with Physical Graffiti, this is Jimmy Page on fire. Not only like music wise, but production wise, he produces, right? Yes. Oh, uh, he produced. He produced all the Zeppelin albums. There you go. Yeah, he produced this. Uh, I mean, he's such, and the way the sound on this album is, and the, and the instruments used are mixed so well and so beautifully, and the structures to the song, it's a fucking masterpiece. And anybody out there, I'm talking anybody out there that loves this album as much as Ian and I do, and you're still upset. That your favorite bands are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Remember, Rolling Stone magazine panned this fucking album. Oh, oh, I'm going to get into that in this review because almost every song was slammed by uh, their their considered top rock critic at the time. Well, you slammed see, you see Ian, every song. You see, Ian, I can't wait to hear you say that. You know why? Because I don't know what they said. All I know... As history has shown that Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath never got a favorable review in oh. the 70s by Rolling Stone magazine. That's well-known fact. The, oh, I don't want, that, I, I don't know what they said about this, and I can't wait to hear it. Oh, and, and, and it's horrible, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, even I saw this year with, with this year's nominees, I've seen people like, oh, put this band that we love in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and again, it's like, why do you care? Yeah. Why, 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 you know, and, and you brought up, and, and there was a point in time where I did care, but it's like the more I know, you, you know, the older I get, the more I know about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I know, uh, you know, about what it takes to get in there and what it doesn't take to get in there. It's so uh, shameless, and it's not like it's really important. It's what you know, one person really thinks. And then lately, it's been about, oh shit, nobody's coming to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so we're going to put certain people that we know will bring people to the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, it's getting voted in by people who don't even like these bands, but they know it's going to bring people to the Hall of Fame, which I find even more disgusting, you know, and more deplorable, like, Jesus Christ, you know, these people don't love you. You know, they, they, they want, they need, they need your fucking money, you know? 
and and it's so sad because there there should be some type of uh rock and roll hall of fame you know a true rock and roll hall of fame that it that is by the fans for the fans that has a certain criteria that is of the people and for the people but what there is now is is, is an elitist group of fucking pricks exactly you, you, know, see, you know see if i ran the rock and roll hall of fame i hate you two with a passion i hate them but i would let them in because look what right. they've achieved as far as influence and all that no, shit. And, and I agree that. And I'm not. I'm not a YouTube hater, but you cannot deny what YouTube. Yeah, the impact and what YouTube has done. But then there's other people that are let in because it's politically correct and it's the thing to do. And there's other people who've had the impact that is just as powerful, but maybe not like uh, you know, like prime example is Judas Priest, and they're up for nomination this year. But you know what, Judas, Judas Priest deserves to be there. But to these pricks who vote, and you know, it, it's it's kind of like a, you know, it's like they should have been in there years ago, but now they're doing it because, oh, people don't go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like they used to, but they know that metalheads are so <laughs> passionate. It's the same reason Rush is in. It's the same reason Kiss is in. It's not because these people love or respect Kiss or Rush by any means, but they know that they have such a passionate fan base that they would come to it just to see. Like, oh my God, okay, there's a Rush display, there's a Kiss display, I'll go see that. But what you've got to keep in your mind is these people don't respect that shit. Like, uh, you know, a, a prime example, and I love this guy to death, I love him to death, the Podfather, Ken Mills. Ken Mills. He is on this big thing to, to get the monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which in my opinion, should totally be in there. Should totally be in there, because the monkeys were, not not only had some great great classic songs, but I mean, you, the TV show and everything, the inspiration, all they've done, they deserve to be in there. But, you know, to these elitist pricks, like, oh, the monkeys are a joke. You know, they were uh, a prefabrication of this and that. So they don't want the monkeys in there. But people like Ken Mills want them in there so bad to validate who they love. I'm like, fuck that. You don't need validation. You love the monkeys. The monkeys mean that much to you. That should be enough. Fuck what these assholes say. And these assholes let my favorite punk band in the Rock and Roll fame, who was also... Like the monkeys yes. prefabricated. Yes. yes, but turn it down. The greatest thing of fuck all time. Yeah. Is with, the greatest with the, letter of all time oh, yeah. from Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Well, man, oh, I yeah. love the fuck out of that guy. I watch him endlessly on YouTube. His interviews are so good. That guy is oh, such yeah. a people person, man. He loves people. He may be the biggest dick in the world, but he, he does it for the people. You know what I mean? He's like... Oh, he, he he's so honest. And he said that, like, take our names off this. Like, fuck this shit. Yeah, you know? And, 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 I don't and care that's about a, you. Yeah, and 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 that's what's so great, you know, is like you got people like like John Bon Jovi is so upset about not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, he'll be and, in this year though. Oh yeah, and I I get that, and I disagree because I don't think he should be. But but then again, on, on the flip side of it, you, you can't deny. No, that, he's influenced a lot. Actually, yeah, he's he's influenced a lot, and he's done this. So in a way he should be in there, but in a way he shouldn't be in there. But like when I see him like fucking complain about it, and 
oh my god, this guy goes off about Axl Rose. He's like, fuck these motherfuckers. They put out one fucking album, and I've done all this. And here's one thing you can't deny. That lame-ass motherfucker can still fill, fill fucking stadiums. No, no, I, not I, anymore, I, 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 Ian. I hate to tell you this, but his last tour, he wasn't filling arenas anymore. Though, you know, I mean, he, he well, did business, but yeah, he can't yeah. do... He could probably do Jersey stadiums, you know? Respectable, though. You gotta... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, no, gotta, he's still doing for, good. For, he's still doing way better for, than all, band, all his contemporaries. For a, yeah, for a band as shitty as he is, he does respectable music. But I don't respect him because that motherfucker is sold out like 57 times. Like, oh, this is popular? Okay, I'm going to do this. That that's popular. I'm gonna do. You know, he's done country albums. He's done contemporary. Like he's grasping at straws so bad. Like, oh my god, I want to be seen as contemporary and, and revolutionary. When bitch, you know, you were like poison before they were poison. You were always like a third tier fucking act. But what I'm saying is, though, you can't deny. Uh, you know, because I, I yeah, I grew up in that era, dude, and it was a huge impact and. There were so many people who came to hard rock and metal through Bon Jovi. And I'm one of them. I mean, when I had, you know, I bought Slippery when it came out. And I thought it was great for like a couple of months. And then I listened to it and I discovered all this other music that it was way better. But I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, when I heard fucking, you know, You Give Love a Bad Name, I was like, oh, this is cool. You, you know, but in hindsight, you know, it's very like... Spoon, Moon, and June, uh, not that, you know, he's no fucking Bruce Springsteen, even though that's what he wants to be, you know, perceived as is now. Um, but, you know, there's all these people who care about that shit, and, and you shouldn't care about it, because when you care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you give credence to something that has no credence. And, and, and you've brought this up a gazillion times, and you're a thousand percent right. Uh, you know, this, but this is the same institution that now they kissed Led Zeppelin's ass. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, like full blown tongue up. They, they, they lift up the balls, stick the tongue fully in the anus. But at the time that came out, you, you know, in their mind, it was no better than Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, they were really like fucking just ragging the shit out of this, you know. They were calling them basically what we would call poison, just horrible rock, you know? Well, also something very important I want to say about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <clears throat> when it first was established and they were first, I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, cool, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Till <clears throat> it was on MTV News, they had an interview with Jan Winner, Jan Hammer, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Yeah, Jan Winner. Yeah. The guy, yeah, that runs Rolling Stone magazine. He says in that interview, and instantly I hated him, uh, he right. said, we have a 25-year, you have to be in the business for 25 years in order yes. to get in here. Because if it's not that way, we'd induct Journey today. So, and, and ironically enough, Journey's now in there. But back then, you know, Journey was still popular, raised on radio yeah. and shit like that. And well, he was like, you know, he's already making the rules. I, I say who can get in and who can't, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and another thing I really don't like, and, and this really bothers me, is uh, the members that are allowed to be inducted. Because oh, uh, yeah. when they inducted KISS, they only inducted the original four. Which, in a way, I understand. The original four made it what it was. But here's my problem with that. When they inducted uh, Parliament and Funkadelic, 
which was legendary for like so many different members, when they were inducted, and and I, I truly in all my heart believe they belonged to be there because they were an incredible group of musicians. But twenty five members were allowed to be inducted. But you know what? If you tell them they can only have five, then, oh, you're racist because they're a black band. And I, I hate that shit because as a guy who hates racism and hates all that shit, I understand why it's important. But why can you sit there and tell Parliament they can have 24 people inducted into a Hall of Fame, but yet a white rock band can only have so many members because you don't want them to be there in the first place. I, I, I yeah, like very- the most the most ridiculous inductee ever was when they inducted Deep Purple, where they brought in Rod Evan, but not Nick Simpler, who was in the same fucking lineup. Right, right, right. It's and ridiculous. It, How can you exclude but, but somebody from here, the same lineup? The only reason Deep Purple was inducted was because of Lars Ulrich. Yeah. You could hate Lars Ulrich all you want. I don't. I love him. But but because he was inducted and now he's a voting member and he's also he sells a lot of fucking records, kids. Uh, you know, he had a lot of play with them getting inducted. But that just shows you how little they know or care. Because how could you how could you adopt one guy? from the lineup that really, I mean, let's be honest, their only hit was fucking hush. You yeah. know, you would, you know, the singer, but not the bass player. It, it's, it's, it's cause it's done by people who don't know. They don't know these fucking bands. They don't fucking care. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just fucking, it's insane. It, it, it's, it's like the, the worst elitist club ever, but they don't want you to be there in the first place. They want to and exclude it, a band that has the most iconic guitar riff known to man. Right. I mean, Jesus Unbelievable. Christ. I, I, exactly. I mean, just for fucking smoke on the water, Deep Purple should have been there the first year of eligibility. And yeah. now, you know, what it is is the ed- eligibility is is 25 years from the debut of your first album. And, uh... You know, it, it's just fucking, it's insane that really you would go over Deep Purple. Uh, and, and granted, I mean, they're one of those bands, they've had a thousand lineups and all this shit and different stuff. But still, just what you said, that lick alone has launched so many more guitar players and so many more bands than fucking Jackson Brown. But they love them some Jackson fucking Brown. Running on empty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he can beat the shit out of Daryl Hannah, and that's okay because he wrote like some conscious songs. He, you was, know, but that guy annoys the living piss out of me. Oh, I can't stand Jackson Brown. Fuck Jackson Brown, straight up the fucking asshole. What did he and, influence? Exact. But here's my thing, though. You know, he was he was a fucking you know, but he was a critic's darling. They loved his music, and you know, David Lee Roth brought up the greatest point ever. And I happen to be a fan of Elvis Costello. I love Elvis Costello. One of his greatest said, lines ever, actually. But but he said, yeah, he goes, rock critics love Elvis Costello because rock critics look like Elvis Costello. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go into the first song. We're going to say what Rolling Stone had to say about it, and then we'll go into what okay, we... Okay, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, let's let Rolling Stone start. We have to say about it. Uh, Rolling Stone said, I, and this is a guy named Gordon Fletcher. 
said song remains the same a mixed review uh the only other tune approaching zeppelin's past triumphs works solely a vehicle for pages guitar antics so that, that's the only good thing he had to say about song remains the same what do you think about this one this song right here is a blatant example of why led zeppelin belongs where they are at the top of the mountain of rock starts off just rocking showing off these guys that don't fuck around and slow it down with such an infectious verse then back to slamming the song back into high gear with some tasty page licks bonzo and john paul jones holding down the beat locked like a fucking lock shut it is impossible for me to love this song more than i do if this song was a chick i would marry it because for 40 years now this song has remained faithful in the awesome i love this song song remains the same i love you song remains the same that's what i feel about song remains the same awesome uh incredible uh this was originally supposed to be an instrumental uh that that jimmy page wrote it was supposed to be uh you know just kind of an intro into the next song and uh but robert plant heard he's like wait a minute i want to throw some lyrics on this and it is so amazing and to me this is why in, in the realm of hard rock and heavy metal to me led zeppelin is the Beatles to uh, Black Sabbath's Rolling Stones. And I've always said that, you know, in my opinion, uh, the greatest band of all time is the Beatles. The greatest rock and roll band of all time is the Rolling Stones. Uh, And that's kind of how I see Zeppelin and Sabbath. Uh, You know, Sabbath has this kind of primordial, like bluesy rock and roll thing that grabs me more. but Led Zeppelin is just a little bit more artistic. You know, you know, I mean, it really, they have that kind of thing like the Beatles had that separated the Beatles from the Stones. Even though I love both, uh, they just had that little extra something that like, wow, this is art. You know what I mean? This is, it's almost a notch above music. Even though I prefer Sabbath overall to Zeppelin, uh, you, you know, you can't deny the genius that is Led Zeppelin. And uh, this is an amazing track. And it comes like, you know, like as soon as you start this, it comes right out the speakers and and blows your mind. There's so many changes. Jimmy Page was was a genius of that because he did the production. But he also did like, you can almost never hear Zeppelin live and hear a faithful representation unless you had like seven guitar players. Because there was so much overdubbing, so much awesomeness added, so much genius that he had the forethought to like, okay, I'm going to do this on this track, and then I'm going to underlay it with this. And I mean, mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's art. It's art. It's beautiful music. Uh, I mean, that's why Zeppelin are in a league of their own. Absolutely love this fucking song. Hell yeah. What do you think of the next one? All right, the next one, the rain song. All right, first of all, let's go to uh, let's see what Gordon Fletcher thought about this one. It says in a negative review, calling the track along with no quarter, 
as nothing more than drawn-out vehicles for the further display of Jones' unknowledgeable use of the Militron and synthesizer. Oh, my Lord. Really? Oh, man. Really? Holy fuck. This guy okay. never saw an ear doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it like that's what this guy says about the fucking rain song. Oh, my God. It is so, so fucking beautiful. Uh, this song was inspired by George Harrison of the Beatles, who said to the great Bonzo, John's, John Bonham, that you guys have never done, like, an outright ballad. He goes, that's a problem with you guys. He goes, you guys need to do an outright ballad. And uh, they kind of took the challenge, said, okay, okay, we'll do it. And not only did they rise to the fucking challenge, but, uh, I mean, just uh, the Rain song is one of those ones where you listen to it, you know, and it's just like, it is so beautiful. It, it, like, even if you're the hardest metal head, you know, and you, I'm like, I want the fucking metal. When you listen to this song, and you just hear the simplicity and the beauty of those guitar lines, just like, you know, and you, it's just, it's, I mean, it is, it, it's in a world of its own. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it is, dude, it, it, it's like Pink Floyd. It's like the Beatles. It is like timeless fucking art and and this is the kind of song that i think most bands could not do because they just didn't have the talent to do it like i love kiss i love kiss with all my fucking heart they could never ever ever even think about doing a song like the rain song because they don't have the fucking talent they don't have the musicality they don't have the musicianship uh this is why led zeppelin is in a league of their own I love it. What do you think of the rain song? It does not get no more gorgeous than this song. What an amazing tune. This is kind of like the stairway to heaven of this album. Such beautiful chords, Jimmy laying down on this song. I mean, the way he does those changes. And it's so beautiful and quiet. And then Robert with those fucking amazing lyrics and vocals. John Paul Jones comes into the song with that piano and keyboard sounds that takes the song even higher than it already is. How this guy can say anything. John Paul Jones makes this song make John Paul what John Paul Jones did was make a perfect song better. How the fuck is that possible? Well, John Paul Jones knows how to do that. It's just it, you know, it, it's just gorgeous. Normally, I don't like mellow songs so early on an album, but for some reason, it perfectly, it's perfectly placed here. It's an amazing song. Everything, the vibe, the guitar chords, you know, and then when Bonzo comes in toward the end, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's just perfection. A masterpiece. So far, two masterpieces, one after the other on this motherfucker. All right, I'll take the next one. All right. Over the hills and far, far, far away. Again, greatness. Page was on fire on this album with his, you know, those guitar melodies, you know, and the, his sense of guitar melodies. You know, that intro is fucking iconic. 
then you know when the band kicks into overdrive with pant with plants high soaring vocals makes me want to kiss this album cover anywhere on the album don't care if i'm kissing a rock or a kid's ass this song goes through many changes and all are catchy as the last one this song right here and it's a radio staple is pure perfection like the two that came before it what do you think um this is the one this is the the fucking epic um this is my favorite Led Zeppelin song of all time. Bar none. Bar none is this. But before I get into my ass lathering of this song, I want to go back to Gordon Fletcher and his review of this in Rolling Stone, who said uh, he called the track dull and as written or, or as well written as the track is, cut from the same formula as Stairway to Heaven but becomes dull without the song's torrid guitar solo. Oh. Let that let let that sink in. People no, 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 let it let it not. <laughs> well, no, but let it sink in to you motherfuckers who are like are mad because yeah. your band's not in the yeah, whole thing. Exactly. This yeah, is that's Rolling that's, Stone. Yeah, that's who you want acceptance from. People like this idiot. Who's dumber? You or him? You choose. Oh my God. I'm already choosing you. This this is one of those things. This, I, you know, no matter what state of inebriation I'm in or anything, I will never forget the day I heard this. I had a, uh, I was in driver's ed, and my driver's ed teacher was Mr. Ron Olofsson, who's a friend of mine on Facebook. I love you, Mr. Olofsson. Uh, he was one of those teachers... Like, every once in a while, you have a teacher in school that uh, that that really reaches you. You, you know, but what, you know, and, and you might not realize it at the time. But, you know, I know I was a prick to so many teachers. Because I was always the smart ass. I was always this, you know, I was always the, the bad kid and stuff like that. But this was a teacher who not only was my uh, health teacher... You know, basically like your sex ed teacher and shit like that. But he was my driver's ed teacher. Was so cool. And me and him used to trade CDs. I'll never forget. I bought uh, uh, Don Henley's End of the Innocence. Didn't like it. I was like, eh, not that good. And me and him traded CDs. I was like, uh, he wanted uh, Tears for Fears, so the Seeds of Love. I was like, okay, let's switch. And we, and we traded CDs, and it was so cool. We became friends on Facebook a few years ago, and he brought that up. He goes, remember when you you know, you know traded me Don Henley for Tears for Fears? And I was like, oh, my God, Mr. Olson, this is so awesome. Uh, you know, he was a great teacher. And I was in driver's ed. It was me and Stacy Winselman, who Stacy Winselman is a girl that I had a crush on from junior high. We were in summer school together. We didn't go to the same schools, but we were in summer school together. And in summer school, it was pretty much all dudes. Like, all dudes who fucked off all year. And, you know, there's a reason why you're in summer school. But here's this one girl who was like, she was so fucking hot. But she was like, like girl next door, hot too at the same time. Like attainable. 
but she was really fucking cool and like one of the guys. And I always had a crush on this chick. And then it ends up uh, sophomore year. She's in my driver's ed because I'm Wadley. She's Winzelman. You know, everything went by uh, alphabet that we're in driver's ed. You know, and I'm so like, okay, I got to drive cool because Stacy Winzelman's in the back seat. <laughs> and 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 I've already traded CDs with Mr. Olofsson, so I think we're cool. Like, he's like a, a cool, you know, he's one of the establishment, but he's one of the cool ones. So we're all good. So we're driving, we're driving out in the boondocks. And we're listening to Classic Rock Station because that's what Mr. Olsen loved was fucking classic rock. I had never heard Over Hills and Far Away before in my life. And uh, so we're driving and it comes on the radio. And I was blown away. I was fucking blown. Like, it just sounded like the most perfect song that I've ever heard in my life. And I reach over while I'm driving and I turn up the radio. And Mr. Olsen went ape shit. He goes, never take your hand off the wheels. Ten and two. Ten and two. Never take your hand off the wheels. And he scared the living shit out of me. And he, he later said, you know, because Stacy had to drive after me. He goes, you two were the worst fucking drivers I've ever had in my entire goddamn life. And I was so, like, petrified because I thought I did good. But, oh, he read us the fucking riot act. But I will never forget how amazing. And it's so, like, like I'll never forget the day. I remember John uh, John Mellencamp, uh, I Need a Lover That Don't Drive Me Crazy, was a song that was on the radio before uh, Over the Hills and Far Away. And I love that song. I was like, great. But when I heard Over Hills and Far Away, it was so, like, this is, like, life-changing. This is, like one of the, the the most beautiful and powerful and amazing songs I've ever heard in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm driving with my cool teacher and the, and the chick I got a crush on in the back. So it was a trifecta of awesome, even though I got chewed out. But I will never, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's much like the first time I ever heard uh, Cheap Trick, uh, Gonna Raise Hell. Like, I mean, it's just ingrained in my brain. Like, oh, my God, this is something that changes everything I thought I knew about music. Um, and I I love it. And I immediately after that, I went out and bought Houses of the Holy and quickly became my favorite Zeppelin album of all time. I mean, it's just so, uh, so good in, in the changes, you know, but that dan 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 you know it's just so you know oh my god I mean that is it's a musicality at it's fucking best it is so good and so and like I said I don't I I don't mean this to downgrade the the mighty Sabbath but they they didn't have this. And this is something Zeppelin had. Even though I like uh, Sabbath more than Zeppelin, uh, it would it just showed a level of sophistication that is just fucking amazing. And uh, one of those every time I hear it, I'm transported back to being, you know, 15 and trying to get my learner's permit. 
And, uh, man, thank you to, to Mr. Ron Olson and thank you to Stacy Winsman, you hot piece of ass. There you go. What do you think of the crunch? Ooh. The crunch. Oh, this is what a lot of, a lot of Zeppelin fans hate on. Um, and I don't hate on it like they do. You know, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of Zeppelin fans hate on this the way I hate on hot dog, but, but I dig it. And it, it's one of John Paul Jones favorite, uh, Zeppelin songs. Uh, he was very instrumental in it to it. It was their kind of tribute to, uh, to James Brown and, and kind of a funk song. I think they're kind of the wrong band to do this, uh, by far. Uh, but I don't hate the song the way most people do, but I do agree. Uh, this would be my least favorite song, but I appreciate it for what it is, and I appreciate what they did to try to do something different. But, uh, yeah, definitely my least favorite on the album. What do you think, Ralph? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I appreciate James Brown. I saw James Brown, a really cool, I, I highly recommend a documentary on him on Netflix. It's really, really cool. But, you know, to tell you the truth, James Brown, you know, I'm not a big fan. I appreciate what he does, but um, not really my thing. Just not. I do like some soul music, but, you know, James Brown is a little too hardcore soul for me. So that's why I, I don't like this one. Just like, you know, this is like my hot dog, you know, how you perceive hot dog because you hate Elvis. Right. Uh, every time I would play this album, I, I, I wouldn't even bother with this song. I just flipped the album over before the song was over. I mean, before the song even started. This song really does annoy me, and it's mainly because of uh, John Paul Jones. Because that sound he does, whatever the fuck that instrument is, if it's a keyboard or whatever it is, that's the worst part of the song for me. Like, that sound effect is like... Well I mean, I can kind of tolerate the rest of it, but that... It just, it really does annoy me. You know, it's a bad right, sound. Well, well, let's see what, what, uh, what Rolling Stone said. Oh, God damn it. Now I'm going to have to agree with this dickhead. And Gordon Fletcher said, calling it a naked imitation, along with Dire Maker, as well as one of the, the worst things the band has ever attempted. <coughs> uh, he wrote, the grunge uh, re- reproduces James Brown so faithfully that it's every bit as boring. Oh, so he hates <laughs> so James Brown. So he's basically saying he hates James Brown. Yeah, he says, as repetitive and cliche as Goodfoot, which is one of James Brown's great, you know, better get up on the Goodfoot. <coughs> he says, uh, yakety yak guitar, boom boom bass, and astoundingly idiotic lyrics uh, is all there is. So is the Jones synthesizer spinning absolutely furious electronic fills. Yeah, I don't like that sound. It just drove me nuts. Still does. And this is a song that shows up on the radio now and then. I'm like, oh, man. Right. But let's flip it over. I'll flip it over for you, Ian. I see you're a little drunk. You might scratch the fucking album. Uh, <coughs> opening track on side two is Dancing <coughs> Days. Yes. I fucking love this song. Catchy as all fuck. All these sounds in this song as the layers of guitars just flow so perfectly together. 
not only an incredible guitar player, but a master at structuring songs. Uh, he equals it with his production skills. Great way to start side two. I love Dancing Days. What do you think? All right. Well, before I get into what I think about it, let's go back to Gordon Fletcher of Rolling Stone, who called it uh, nothing but a piece of filler. Uh, I absolutely love, love this fucking song. I think it, 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 it shines so bright. It's one of those things, uh, I don't know, like, like sometimes you listen to something and it has a bit of darkness and has a bit of brightness. This is something that is like a bright fucking ripe orange that you just want to bite into. It's just so like, yes, yes. And it also has uh, almost like a tinge of teenage sexuality to it that, that, that I count to like, you know, being a young kid and you're trying to either finger bang a girl or get your hand up her shirt. You know, there's a bit of innocence, uh, but like, you know, powerfulness to it. Uh, I really, really fucking love this. I, and I believe, uh, I know you're not a fan of the band, but uh, Stone Temple Pilots did a cover of this. I'm yeah. the tribute album. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that I really, really fucking love. Right. Of course, it it doesn't touch the original. It, to me, uh, it sounds very pretentious, like them trying to do something different. But whatever, that's you. You're but, right, but uh, but but this one is just God. This just reminds me of like a, a a teenager trying to get laid, in all the beauty and uh, you know the 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 comicness of that at the same time. It's like you know. You're trying to be cooler than you are, you know, you're trying to feel some fucking boobies or you're trying to, like, get a stink finger. But, uh, I don't know, there's just something about this song that just takes me back to that age, you know? And, uh, I fucking love Dancing Days, to me, a, a timeless class. Well, what do you think of Jamaica? How do you pronounce it? Uh, well, well, that's, that's, I've heard Dire Maker, I've heard Jamaica, you know, I, I've heard all this shit, and, uh, this is one, uh, initially, I loved it, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, ah, oh, great, and then as time went on, I'm like, oh, I'm sick of fucking hearing this, it didn't do as, you know, much for me. Uh, it's supposed to be a play on words like the English pronounce, pronunciation of Jamaica. Um, but uh, I don't know. I could, I could take or leave it. I love it for what it is, but this would never be like a go-to song. Uh, like, oh, I'm listening to Zeppelin. I'm going to listen to this one. But I appreciate it for what it is, and... And I, I don't hate it, but it's not a go-to song. But I like that they had, you know, they had the freedom to do a different type of song like this. I, I thought it was very interesting that they, they could change it and do something. Uh, where a lot of other bands, you know, would be scared to do something like this. I, I think it's a failed attempt but uh, it's successful at its grasp, but it doesn't exactly reach what it grasped for, in my opinion. Well, I am not the biggest reggae fan, but here it works. 
because I, I I'm not an expert on reggae, so there you you know I'm sure reggae fans see this song as blasphemous, but I think on this song, all band members are flawless on this, but Bonzo is the highlight on this track. All those fills are on point, and yes, I admit it is a silly song, but it, it, it it's uh. You know, it doesn't it doesn't suffer burnout factor with me. I love it when it comes on the radio, just just for really the drumming. The drumming is what makes me love this song so much. You know, I love what Jimmy's doing the little you know little things and but the drumming on this song is so good. It's so good and the way I mean the sound of the drums, the way he hits those song and the way he articulates those. Those beats and those fills during it, it's just, you know, I can't help but air drum. It's like the ultimate air drum song. It's such a great air. You know how, like, uh, everybody points to, you know, Phil Collins in the air tonight? Do-do-do-do-do-do. This is, this, is, this is in the air tonight, the whole fucking song, you know? Right. Love it. Love, love, love Jamaica. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. All right. My, f- I don't know if it's, it's probably either Song Remains the Same or No Quarter. It's a toss-up. My favorite track on the album. I think it's a fucking masterpiece. And a great song to go along with this mystique of the band Led Zeppelin. The darkness surrounding this song. With that droning guitar riff. The eerie keyboards. The way Bonzo plays to the song as it needs to be played. Then plants soft and eerie vocals. This song is just perfection. And for me, the highlight of this song uh, is from Song Remains the Same. It's like, I'm not the biggest fan, believe it or not, of that uh, live album and the live movie. But I think on Song Remains the Same, No Quarter is the best thing on there. And I even prefer it than the studio track. But, you know, this studio track is fucking perfect. You know, I guess I, I just actually prefer that version with the extended solo, uh, both keyboard and... and uh, and uh, guitar solo and the long intro that John Paul Jones does on that live version is just so cool. Uh, but it still does not take away from the studio version. It's, you know, it's pretty much my, it's probably my second favorite. I'll say Sarmage's thing is my favorite. But uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's my favorite track off the soundtrack of Sarmage's the Same. I like it. I like that version more than the Sarmage's the Same live version. And, uh, I can't express how much I love No Quarter. I one time played this on my radio show. I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm playing No Quarter. You know, one night, late, really drunk. And I played the the Sarm Made the Same version. I was like, dude, I'm playing this shit. Because it is heavy. It has a very heavy middle section where it's doomy and, and dark and satanic. You know, the devil marks his every step. The dogs of doom are howling cold. There's just so much coolness to the song, and it's very mysterious. It's like a mysterious song. I'm not quite sure what it's about, but you know it's fucking evil, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I love it. I believe around this time is when Jimmy was really getting into Aleister Crowley and stuff, and, um, you know, into the black magic and all that. And and it's really highlighted in the song. He really does put his influence a lot in this tune, and... Oh my God, it's it's fucking perfect, and I can't wait to hear what that Rolling Stones dude had to say about this. Okay, well, what he said, uh, and this kind of goes along with the Rain song, he's calling this track, along with the Rain song, nothing more than a drawn-out vehicles for the further display of Jones's unknowledgeable use 
of the Mellotron and the Synthesizer. Well, if he breeded, that would that would uh, explain bad drivers. All right. Uh, this is one. Oh my God. Uh, do I love this song? And this is something. You know, like as a young child, I listened to this before I even fucking, you know, experimented with drugs. But this is a song that would make you feel like you were on drugs. <laughs> you know, it was so, it was so cool and so that. I mean, uh, just fucking unbelievable. And uh, another band that's done, in my opinion, an incredible cover of this that I know you don't like is Tool. Um, well, I never but, heard it, so who knows? Maybe I'll like it. Oh, well, I don't know. I got a feeling you probably wouldn't, but you never know. Uh, but, but no, this is something that Tool did. Uh, early on, they put it on their box set, and it's one of those things like when they play it live, like the fans go fucking crazy because that's one of those like, oh my god, are they going to play no quarter? Um, I mean, what a fucking uh, majestic song! I mean, it's just so. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things. It would always captivate captivates me as a, as a listener. I'm like. Oh my God! You know, like this like I is... said, it's very mysterious. Oh yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to put your finger on it, right? Well, and it comes. It, it comes from a, uh, you know, especially for people who live in in the states. It, it it's a phrase that's very English, which is a, you know, no no quarter taken, no quarter given, which which means, uh, you know, you're shit out of luck. You know, I'm not gonna give you no, uh, you know, no, no mercy, kind of right. thing, and and that's one of those things where, you know, it might be a little bit lost on American audiences, but to English audiences, when you say no quarter, they know exactly what the fuck you mean. Uh, but to English audiences, by English, I mean American audiences, you might not know, but that kind of adds like a whole little. Like, a little bit more darkness to it. Because it's like one of those things, like, I don't give a fuck, you know, if you're right or wrong, you're going to die. Kind of thing. And that's what I get out of the music. Because it's it, it, it's it, it's so dark and so epic. But it's one of those things where, like, you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's like, this is just like... You know, it's so fucking. Ugh. I, I, I fucking love this song, and I just remember being, you know, being a 15 year old boy listening to this shit, being like, holy fuck, I've never heard music like this before. I've never heard something like this. You know, and I was a kid who loved, like, you know, fuck me, suck me songs, you know, like Kiss and Wasp and shit like that, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, but th this was like a whole nother layer. I mean, this was like uh, almost cliff note versions of a, of a Shakespeare novel. You know what I mean? And you just knew that this was a higher level of fucking art, and that's what Zeppelin brought, you know, and, and, and a reason where... Like, I'm sad and happy at the same time that they ended when they did. And, you know, they never went on to, like, oh, okay, Zeppelin's Crazy Nights album. 
You know, there was never that. They just said, you know what, done, done. You know, Bonzo's gone. And as much as I would love to see concerts, and I was pissed. You know, I, I saw the Plant and Page tour twice. And I'm like, where the fuck is John Paul Jones? I'm like, how disrespectful is it not to have John Paul Jones here? Because to me, he was just as important as any other member of the band. Uh, Zeppelin is, is, is a band where I fully believe that no member was more important than the other. Because uh, they were all so strong. I mean, those amazing drums of Bonzo. You know, the, the fucking quadruple later guitars of Jimmy Page. Uh, you know, Robert Plant's vocals that could be like as whiny as ever, but yet as strong as ever in some things. But then you had John Paul Jones just kind of like pulling everything together and giving it this thing. Like, I love John Paul Jones. And, you know, a, a band I'm a big fan of and a big fan of the... I heard that. I farted. Uh, yes. Sorry. Uh, that was the egg whites. Is Them Crooked Vultures, uh, which is him, Josh Homme from Caius and Queens of Stone Age, and uh, uh, what's the dude from fucking... Uh, David Grohl. Yeah, David Grohl. But it's such an amazing album, but there's, there's these breakdowns on so many of the songs that, like... Now being, you know, you know, growing up with Led Zeppelin, you kind of see where those breakdowns came from. And these little interludes. There's a song that I adore called Reptiles, which I think is an amazing fucking song. And I listened to it and I was like, man, I hear so many Led Zeppelin breakdowns. And you realize that shit came from John Paul Jones. Uh just just fucking amazing but i mean if if there's a song that kind of like leads reason to why this is my favorite over this one or that one it would have to be no quarter no quarter is the reason uh even i mean as weird as this sounds i love over the hills and far away more than no quarter but no quarter is the reason why this is my favorite Led Zeppelin album of all time. If, if, if that makes any sense to anybody. Uh, but that but that's the thing. That, that is the tipping point to why, like, it's just the difference and the ebb and the flow. And, 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 and it just, it's an album. It's an album. You know, in an era nowadays where everybody's all about singles, this is an album that's held together by all these different styles of songs and all this different shit. I fucking love it, dude. No quarter. Mm. There you go. What do you think about the ocean? All right. Uh, the ocean. Oh, man. What a song this one is, huh? What a great way to end this one. Bonzo hitting that snare so hard with that snotty guitar riff with plants hitting those highs. It's a fantastic song. I love the middle section with Ooh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it just stops. It's like la 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 And it has this like these melodies, you know, these, you know, like, you know, layers of vocals doing the la la's. And then when it stops, you hear like Robert Plant not even take a deep breath. He just goes just like that, like then, then, fuck, it goes right in. You know, it goes right back into the fucking song. Oh, my God. This is a 
badass fucking song. And then it goes into, like, the way that song ends, it turns into, like, a, a celebration, you know? It just goes into this whole other fucking song where it's all, like, a kick-ass fucking celebration of fucking rock to end the tune. I think it's a badass song. And, you know, I just saw... I didn't tell you about this, Ian. I just saw Steel Panther the other night. And he had this fucking opening band. The guy was awesome. His name is Derek Day. 23-year-old kid with a, in a trio. And he did such a smoking version of this song and Benny of the Jets. Oh, um, I love Benny and the Jets. Oh, you got to hear him do it. I bought, you know, I Benny! bought the CD. I we bought got, the... We got to do uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. By yeah, way. we'll do it. I bought the, the CD, the Derek Day CD, and it has Benny and the Jets on there. But you know what, dude? It's not that good. But live, it was so good. And he's a, he's a real wacky performer. He's like this young kid, but he's all over the stage and he does these really strange moves. And then after the song, like he looks at the crowd and he's like, dudes, like, you know, like Bill and Ted, like dudes, right. man. Thanks, dudes. You know, he was just such a nice guy. I met him after the show. Super nice guy. I almost stiffed him 10 bucks, but I, I really didn't mean to do it because um, I was talking to him. This, the, the band signed the CDs for me. And then I thanked him. And while I'm walking away, he's like, He's kind of like airheaded kid. He's like, uh, 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 ten dollars, <laughs> and I and I had the twenty dollar bill in my hand. I was like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, here, you know, I didn't mean to rip them off, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring up Der- Derek Day. I bought the CD, and I don't know. I guess it's a grower. I got to listen to it some more. It didn't really catch me on first listen, and I put, went straight, straight to Benny and the Jets because he did such a great live version of it. That I don't know. I, the CD doesn't capture how cool it was live, but he also did the ocean, and he did it so good. Good three, good three piece band, and uh, well, that's what I got to say about the ocean. How about that Rolling Stones idiot? What do you say about it? All right. Well, once again, Gordon Fletcher said, called this track so diluted and filled with pointless humor. Uh, Jimmy Page's guitar spits. Jagged fireballs with John Paul Jones and John Bottom riding along behind him. But the effect is destroyed by the ridiculous background coolings and the overbearing killer coda that is so blatant it can only be taken as a mock of straight rock and roll. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I got a review of his review. There you go. Thank you. That shit's smelly. And I'm just going to ask you to join along with me on this right here, Ralph, if you will. Na, 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 Singing around, around, whatever, to the last yeah. day. Fuck yeah, Ian, Ian rocking it, man. I can sing in the ocean, but the ocean, the ocean washed away. Wait. I'm, I'm singing, singing all, all my, my songs to, to the girls who won my heart. heart. Ooh, she's, she's only three, three years old, old, but that's a real fine way, way to, start. to start. Yeah. Pedophilia. That, that is fucking music god damn i don't care how the key we were that is fucking awesome and like really really like that the fucking ocean 
Jesus fucking Christ. One of the greatest songs ever. Oh my fucking God. And what a way to end this album. Because it's one of those things like you listen to, you know, you listen to uh, No Quarter like, ooh, you know, that's an album closer. But then, I mean, I mean, it kicks into the ocean. And like I've said many and many times again, my favorite closing song is a song that leaves you want more. You know, and it's like after you hear the ocean, like, oh, please, God, don't let this be the end. Let's keep going. I mean, this is this shit's fucking incredible. And what a way to end this album. You know, and, and you know, and coming off of, you know, what's always going to be considered their masterpiece, you know, is, is Zeppelin IV. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, it's always going to be their masterpiece. But to follow that up with this fucking album, this fucking album, and these songs, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. And who did they rip off on this album? Nobody. Don't say Bob Marley, you fuck. Or James Brown. But, you know, I mean, they didn't blatantly rip them off. It's just oh influence. No, but, you know, it's... And, 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 who the fuck did a song like No Quarter? And, and and even the album cover, which in itself is is very kind of weird, but you know what? I don't see it as like you know you know. There's been a lot of talk about like ooh, you know, this is kind of pervy and all this shit. No, it's not. I don't. Scorpion's Virgin Killers pervy. This one's not. Right, right. No, I don't. You know, you know what I see like this. I see, I see innocence uh, being introduced to greatness. And that's kind of how I felt like when I listened to this. You know, I was a young kid. I was like 15. Uh, and, I, and I feel like one of these naked children climbing this mountain. And when you when you ascend upon said mountain, I mean, I mean, you just hear this fucking music that is godlike. You know, that is just of another world. And that's what Zeppelin is to me. I mean, it's... They're like the Beatles. They are the heavy metal Beatles because it just came from a different fucking era, a different fucking world. I mean, it's like, where did they get the inspiration? Where did they get, you know, this and that? It's just so, um, like, holy shit, you know? And I I love all their albums, e- e- even fucking In Through the Outdoor. I mean, there, there's shit I really love about that album. Like, In the Evening, I think is one of the greatest songs they've ever done. But other than that, it sucks a dick straight up. But, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like they came from another planet um, with this just amazing music that, fuck this Gordon Fletcher guy. Like, this is the guy who's voting. This is the guy that, this is why, like, fucking, uh, you know, uh, fucking LL Cool J's in the Hard Rock Hall of Fame. Or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, fucking Deep Purple didn't get it. You know, it's just fucking Well, until last year. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous that this is considered tripe. But, uh, oh my God, uh, you know, if you're black or you're Latino, we can't keep you out because then we're fucking racist. I really hate that shit. And like I said, this is coming from a guy who's very liberal and very, like, you know, anti-racist and shit. But what I really hate is shit that is, like, fake racism. Fake racism to me is the worst. Like, oh, we're going to let you in because you're black. Like, you don't even have to be good. 
but just because you're black and you did and you did this, we have to let you in. Or other, we're called racist. I I, I find that shit so. It's like uh, affirmative action. Yeah, it, it, it's so important. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's certain things about affirmative action, like I believe, need to be in place. But but when you take it too far, and that and that's what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did. I mean, you see shit like, you know, these black artists that I mean, hey, you know, you are whatever you are, but you shouldn't get in here just because you're fucking black, you know. Or and then here's another thing: it's it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, it's like you don't see Wailing Jennings in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because Wailing Jennings is fucking country. You know, but here's some bands that are fucking rock and roll, but they're kept out because they weren't deemed cool enough. But yet you put rap artists in there, which like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? You're going to put Cool Modi in there, a fucking head of fucking Rob Halford? I mean, how many people? Yeah, man. I mean, these guys are idiots, and I and I and I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm more into uh, bashing people that want their bands in there. You know, it's like, dude, it's like you 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 want the approval of the enemy. It's like asking the uh, you know, if your mom got raped, it's asking the rapist to come back and finish your mom off. Yeah. Oh, I I agree with you right there. But uh, th- this was a great album that you picked, and. Uh... I was very happy to do this. Hell yeah, I love this fucking album. So thank you. I love right. Led Zeppelin, man. Led Zeppelin's one of the greatest bands in the world, definitely in my top ten. All right, well, do you have a pick of the week? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I do, actually. Hold on. What was it? I had my iTunes up. Oh, this is a great one. And it's not an actual album. It's a compilation album. Boy, if you really want to get into The Who... I highly recommend you get Meaty, Beady, Big, and Bouncy. Meaty, Beady, Big, I got that. Oh, my God. What a great... This has all the, like, you know, the earlier hits and, uh, you know, all the way up to, I think, like, uh, Tommy, maybe. I don't think they, you know, they didn't go into Who's Next, which, Who's Next, you should just get that whole fucking album. That album is the greatest hits in itself, but Meaty, Big, and, uh, uh, Beady, Big, and Bouncy, what's really good about this is that you also get songs... That weren't on, on on albums, you know. I um, uh, I believe the Seeker, the Seeker was on none of their albums. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, that, that was a single. Yeah. Yeah, and the Seeker is my all-time favorite Who song. It's such a great, great fucking song. Last time I saw Guns N' Roses, they played it, which was pretty cool. And um, yeah, man, you you know you got your hits. I can I can't explain. You know, I can see from Miles, my generation, but you also get like the kids are all right. And, uh, you know, Substitute and uh, Boris the Spider. I mean, it's just a great compilation of songs. So my my pick of the week is 1971's Meaty, Beaty, Big and Bouncy by The Who. Nice. Nice. Which, when I was a little kid, that was the big debate. Who was better, The Who or Led Zeppelin? That was a big debate in the 70s. Oh yeah, just like uh, just like it was the Beatles versus Rolling Stones. Uh, no, I, I I totally get that, and uh, my pick of the week is ACDC, and my favorite uh, Brian Johnson album, which is for those about to rock. I think for uh, those about to rock is a very overlooked album, very overshadowed by. Uh, 
you know, uh, back in black. Uh, I mean, it's looked upon more favorably than fucking uh, Flick the Switch. Uh, but there's there's songs on there that are some of my favorites, like Spellbound and the COD and Snowballed and uh, Inject the Venom. Uh, man, that that's one I just really love. And I, to me, it's one of those things, like, I love uh, Back in Black. But I can't listen to it the same way I can for those about to rock. And uh, it's amazing. And it also makes you think about how you cried when they played for those about to rock. So, uh, uh, well, yeah. Well, no, no. I cried watching them play it on on, on YouTube. <laughs> Not even live. It was home at YouTube. I started crying. Uh, when, when the song kicks in at the very, we salute. Yeah, that part made me cry. Yeah. I don't know. After like 30 years of listening to that song, it made me cry one day. Yeah, because it was so yeah. good. It, you know, it was like a celebration of life. It's like, it, and it you know is. what? And to, and to tell you the truth, that song was never really one of my favorites. And now I absolutely love it. I never hated For Those About to Rock, but I just feel like, you know, I prefer, you know, Inject the Venom and Evil Walks and COD and Snowball. You know, and let's get it up. You know, I, I really preferred that song to For Those About to Rock. But For Those About to Rock is a great classic ACDC song. And, yeah, it's always great to see them play it live with those loud-ass cannons. Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, uh, we already went through this because we did review this uh, show. The only reason I take Back in Black, I, th- I feel the songs are stronger on Back in Black. There's not one song I dislike on Back in Black. Where, you know, honestly, I don't like the t- last two songs. Well, the last three songs on For Those About to Rock. I don't like Breaking the Rules or Night of the Long Knives. Or oh, I lo- but I, everything I, I else is great. Them. Everything else is great. And it is my second favorite ACDC album with Brian Johnson. So well, I'm not slamming it whatsoever. I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, I, you know, and I don't really feel like I'm being trendy by saying Back in Black is the better album because it did sell. It's probably the most highest selling hard rock album in the history of fucking music, but... Um, I think that album's extremely important, extremely special. But you also got to remember, I mean, British Steel is my album. On right. the night. I mean, all, all these 1980 albums were so right. special to me, you know? You, you know, Sammy Hagar said he was just as big as all those bands in 1980. No, uh, he, he lied. There, there you go. All right, well... ACDC, for those about to rock, is my pick of the week. And now it's time to go to Fan of the Week. And uh, this is one, uh, in a way, I feel bad about backtracking on this. But in another way, I don't feel bad about backtracking on this. Because this this guy proves he is a Fan of the Week time and time again. And that's Ray Allenheim Sorensen. And I might have pronounced that wrong. Uh... But he is a listener from Europe that uh, not only loves this show, but has been here forever, but he always posts up, like, the old episodes. And, and, and he'll sit there, and he'll post on it, he'll post the picture, and he'll post, like, who was the guest on it, what was the pick of the week, oh, what was him. the fan yeah, of the week. Yeah, yeah, what was the fan of the week and all this shit. And, you know, for this guy to go through and do all that, I mean that that is the makings of a fan of the week because you go, you know, above and beyond. Yep. You do you you do something to let people know like, hey, this show matters to you, and you pay attention. I mean, to take the time to write this shit down, 
so I got I got a sneaking suspicion he's already been fan of the week, but he deserves to be fan of the week again because it's amazing. And I always do this thing. I always put oh, this has been fun facts, you know, in quotations with Renee Allen Sorensen and all this shit. And you know he always you know marks on it, and laughs, and you know appreciates it. But I appreciate what he does because that's a fan who keeps the past alive. That keeps reminding other people like, hey, check out this episode. You might have missed this one. Check this one out. And he puts all these cool facts about it. So uh, to me, I mean, that, that that's, that's kind of shit. You can't buy fans like that. That's people who just truly love what you do. And, uh, and, they, and they get it. And they share it. So... You know, those those are the best fans in the world. Hell is, yeah, man. That guy's awesome. That is my fan of the week. All right. Why don't we go into the plugs? Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting podcast, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. All right.
Hi, this is the Ayatollah alcoholic Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, this is DJ Mac. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at mindovermetalpodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube. So check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news, discussion, and reviews. That's the Mind Over Metal podcast. Download it, subscribe to it today. Headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then they repeat it on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. All right. Well, if you like this one, who knows what's coming next week? We do have a fan-picked episode left, but it all depends on if Eric Camaro ever fucking shows up or not. We've had a lot of drama, but we can't wait to have him for our last fan-picked episode. But it could is be that, that the last one that I know of? Oh, that cool. I know of. There, there could be worse. I put up a thing, like I said, hey. If uh, if I missed you, let me know because I will definitely honor anybody, uh, you know, who paid. 
but I think that's the last one. And then yeah, we, well, can... we do we tech we we do, we do have another one with Scott Stein whenever he can join us. That'll yes. be the last one. Yes, but that, that that's on Scott Stein. I mean, Scott Stein knows about that. He just has to uh, get his shit together. Yeah, right. But uh, regardless, tune in next week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.